What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Pod. And uh, today we got longtime podcast veteran. We got Tyler back with us. Actually, his first, uh, what, this is your first podcast since you made the official move over to San Diego, bro? Yeah. Yeah? So. Oh, yeah, because the last time we yeah. hopped on, it was the night before I was leaving. Right. And now you're there. How are, how, how are things, bro? How's the setup? Dude, it's great. We, uh, are you near to Casey and them? Yeah, we're like 10, 15 away. Um, are you but, are you in PB even? No. no okay. No, no. We're in um, like Linda, Linda Vista, Mission Heights area. So we're more we're more inland than they are. Got it. Um, but San Diego, no matter what, it's uh. Yeah, the, the place is the place is so dope. Yeah, it's, I am. Am I? City power rankings, bro. Um, definitely have it above Portland. So I would say so. You're doing yeah, pretty well. Dude, the, the weather is just... I think I just found a new appreciation for the sun after not being in the sun for a while. For a couple of years, bro. It, it really can... Even just for your mental health, bro. It just makes you happy. Totally. Makes you happy. But um, what else? You know what else makes me happy, bro? Let's hear it. Uh, when you do podcasts with me and Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic, and when you do podcasts with me, those things make me very happy. And we, I think it, it makes the most sense. So today we're just we're doing our usual thing. We're gonna update you right at this very moment. It is Monday night, uh, first game in a while without a playoff game. Actually, that that might not even be true. But um, this will be up Tuesday in just in time for Lakers Nuggets. And so that is what we're going to do today. I think it makes the most sense. It's the freshest right now to to dive into Lakers Nuggets. It's it's what I think you probably want to talk about the most too. Um, and then we'll cover some rap Celtics too. So usually you do an intro and all this, and but not I, I'm feeling it. we're just going to roll from here. Um, let's just start off so we can go look at it as a series and, and project. But first, let's just talk about the end of the game last night. Um, I think... As everyone has now had time to digest it, I think we all saw uh, Plumley messed up. And it's funny because we've seen a lot of times down the stretch when the Nuggets need a stop, Malone chooses to go Plumley, And I, it's clear that they probably they, – they did communicate and it was probably like something along the lines of, hey, if we – if Braun and AD – because that's – I mean, in crunch time, you can't really go wrong with a Braun AD pick and roll. If that happens, we're going to switch it. But there was no screen. Plumley, I, I don't really – has he been asked about what his thought process was? Like, he had plenty of time to go around that. It wasn't like LeBron was searching for Mason Plumley's body. He was just like, oh, no, we'll switch. And Jeremy had no ch- – Nikola Jokic, again, well, we'll get to Jokic. I'll probably talk for 25 minutes about Jokic, but – Yoke was very heads up, ended up getting a good contest, but best hoopers in the world. You could tell when he shot that. He shot that very confidently. And now we're sitting here 2-0. Nuggets have been here before. And I'm very curious uh, because you were – I'm not going to use the word cocky, but you were very, very confident during game one. And I – I mean, it's your team. You're in the Western Conference Finals. You're up 2 2 no. Do, do you not feel like Denver has a chance? Do you feel like there's a different class between these two teams? Because we've done this with the Nuggets before. 
Plumley thing. Yes. So if you go back and watch, um, if you go back and watch like ten seconds before the ball was actually inbounded, you see Them Jimmy talk. Grant saying that, yeah. that they were going to switch the screen. And then you see LeBron not move. He was like, all right, then you guys switch the screen. And he saw that neither one of them were going to contest AD, and that's why Jokic had to run out there. He had a pretty good contest, actually. Yeah, no, job. that was so heads up from Jokic, because that was not really – that was not his job. Like, not at all. That was Plumlee's job. And that's the type of thing where if just one of Grant or Plumlee make – some move towards Davis, they're probably altering that shot. I mean, yeah, he took a they're both very, very long. Yeah, he took a while because he did that kind of like jab step off, like gather to the mm-hmm. side, and either Grant or Plumley probably could have gotten a hand on the ball before the shot, but because neither one of them blitzed Davis, it yeah. had to be Jokic who is far enough from the play that Davis was able to get shot off. And I, I definitely feel like the onus right there is on Plumley. I understand talking about hey. If that happens, we're gonna switch. But but it wasn't like Braun set a screen. Like there was no switch needed. And if they did, yeah. And if they, I just feel if Jeremy goes out to contest on AD there, I think Braun has a a a pretty clear lane. I mean, I don't know exactly, but but I don't think Plumley the way Plumley switched. It wasn't like he was now in great position against Braun. It was. A defensive miscommunication, and I really we'll, – we'll get to – I think we should talk about the game as a whole as well, but I really felt like that was a game – I'm not necessarily – I'm torn because I want to see the two best teams in the finals, and, and the Lakers are a better team, but I would be lying if I told you I wouldn't get some satisfaction if the Nuggets pulled it off and, and beat them. You, you and the rest of the NBA, it was funny. I was listening to – I like to listen to Bill Simmons' podcast because I do most of the time think he's a pretty interesting guy to hear out. Yeah, but he he's a veteran. A, he's a podcast vet too. Like he just got a pay yeah. that. But yeah. So what like was he, he saying? He hates the Lakers. It's funny you bring that up because I've seen that. And I and trust me, I've dealt with this with the Warriors where it's like, come on, why are so many people just haters? And then I, I've started to realize like I'm I'm just wired differently than a lot of sports fans. And a lot of people, one of my best friends, Dave, it took some getting adjustment. He loves to hate Luke Bagley. They love to hate. And honestly, it makes it more fun for them. So who am I to say? They can't consume their sports in that way. And and it makes things a lot more fun for a lot of people to have some, to just hate people that they never know, that they've never met, hate, hate teams, no matter what. And that's just a part of it. And so I've, I've experienced it as a Warriors fan. I'm sure you've, this is not the first time you've experienced it as a Lakers fan. 
Um, and it's not going to be the last time you experience it too, but, but I feel you like, so so that just annoyed me. I mean, I I usually like, like listening to his takes and Mm -hmm. gives just an interesting perspective that makes me think a little bit, but that just bothered me. But I wanted to, I I wanted to respond to what you were saying about my tweet and my just utter disrespect for the nugget. It was utter disrespect. You told them to get off the floor. (laughs) I said time to get off the dance floor. I want to let people know that I was about four rum and cokes deep at that point <laughs> when I was watching the game. You just moved to San Diego. You're feeling yourself. It's all good. I was a little bit, and I was just like, this is when the Lakers were up like 27 points. Rondo was chucking up the hoops. <laughs> I'm like, dude, the Nuggets just need to just raise the white flag, just get off the court for the rest of the game. But, no, I, I do still think that the Lakers are in a different class than Denver is, but I don't think that that necessarily means that the Nuggets don't have a shot in the series. Yeah. Like, I do just think overall that the Lakers present these issues for the Nuggets, and specifically for the Nuggets' best player when you think about Jokic. Like, he is uber-talented, and we saw that in Game 7 of the previous series against the Mm -hmm. Clippers, but he just presents these issues, or he's presented with these issues when he comes up against AD. But it's not just AD. It's like, okay, yeah, he has to deal with AD for six minutes, and then they can throw Dwight, who's a fucking pest. He's just, dude, Mm -hmm. Dwight's probably fouling him twice a possession. No, I know. And Dwight, I, I maybe it was just game two, I, but no, even in game one, bro, Dwight never thinks he fouls either. It's always, yeah. what? What? It's like Dwight, dude. Like, yeah, he, he, he does the same thing as JaVale does where he just throws the hands up. But, just, bro, like, bro, real quick, because I, I want to get towards that analysis, too, of, of, you know, the matchup itself. But I do, before we move to that, I do want to say, I – have thought I thought that the Clippers were in another class. I obviously was wrong, um, and I didn't necessarily think the Jazz were in another class. But I thought I thought the Jazz. I, I mean, after those first four games, I don't know if I had seen a team get outplayed more than the Nuggets in that first four games in that series against the Jazz. So I've just seen this so many times that I'm just like I, I literally I just can't count out the Nuggets. And a, and a big reason why is Yoke, which we will get to later. Um, but, but go, uh, go ahead uh, about, you know, what the map, because are you saying, I, I would think he has the most problems on defense in terms of offense. I mean, we even saw him towards down the stretch, obviously AD takes the cake, but, but Yoke, I mean, he was doing whatever he wanted. He was, especially on that, that second to last possession, he put AD to work. That was so weird that I, I was like, holy shit. He just made AD look like, fuck, like, Kavon Looney. Like, he just, it could have been anyone. It was, it was, why, I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that to AD. Yeah, I, I wonder what his thought process was. Like, maybe he just didn't want to foul and risk an and one. I don't necessarily know what it, his foul situation was, but I didn't it, think that he had five. But it wasn't like it was awful. I mean, it wasn't amazing it was just D. Weird. But he was with him, and and I feel like AD's just used to, hey, even if you are taking this jump hook or whatever, like, I am so long, I'm going to affect it. But Yoke is just, I mean, he's ridiculous. And I don't know if this is the time to go into Yoke, because I I think both Yoke and AD right now are just, they're blah, I think they're, 
I, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think Yoke and AD have both passed Harden in terms of just like rankings. And I don't, I definitely know that wouldn't have been the case at the start of their season with Yoke. Maybe some people would have had AD. Uh, but I still think the majority of people would have taken Harden over AD. I think it's clear for me right now I would rather have both of them. Yeah, I – well, I, really quick with, with the Jokic thing, with the yeah. back down on AD, because I, I, I totally agree. It was such a weird thing that I've never seen AD do. So part of me thinks that he was anticipating one of, like, the, the, Jok, like the Jokic like pump fakes. Pump fake, yeah, which he does a lot too. He was like you, you saw him. He wasn't pressing on one side. He was just going straight up. And yeah. so it, it makes me think that he was anticipating some sort of pump fake if he would have to move quickly. But um, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, this is now the second consecutive year that Yo just had a move. Okay, real quick, bro. We got to take a quick dog break. Ridiculous, man. These dogs are the most anxiety-filled dogs I've ever met. I will be right. <laughs> we'll be right back. Okay. Okay, we're back. I, apologies. I was telling Tyler, so I'm dog watching for uh, a good family friend. I actually know these two dogs pretty well, but they just are just filled with anxiety to the brim. They literally can't go 10, 15, 20 seconds without whining or crying. And so I just loaded her up with CBD. We should be good. Um, but where were we, Tyler? We were talking about the the play, the yoke back down. And then we, yeah, okay. I, I was just saying, like, it, it was kind of a weird play. I would assume, I'm not sure, I guess they didn't have any reason to ask AD about it, because obviously all the questions were about his shot that he hit. But if they would have lost that game, it would have been interesting to hear his response to how he just let that happen. Because um, it basically seemed like Jokic just kept backing up, backing up, expecting some sort of resistance that just wasn't there from AD. Yeah, my guess would be, like I said, my guess would be he's just used to, hey, I have a lot of length. Even if you get a shot off down there, I'm, I feel pretty confident about, confident in in affecting it. Um, but it's clear it didn't, it, with Yoke, it's, I, I mean, I don't think I've seen a guy make shots that touch as little rim as Yoke has. You, like, he had that shot yesterday that legitimately, even when – replay looked like he airballed it because it it, it like touched the net as little as possible it was well there was i'm not sure if it's the same shot that we're talking about but there was one where lebron like jumped up in front of the rim because he thought he was going to airball it and then it switched right behind it Did i, you ever see that I think that i think that's the one i'm talking about yeah, yeah. late but so i wanted to you brought up an interesting point about just the trajectory of what Yoke and AD um, have been on since the start of the playoffs. I mean, you look at AD specifically in the postseason, he's averaging 29, 11, 4, a block and a half, a steal, shooting 40% from deep and 7% yeah. from the field. I think that's one of the sneakier like storylines of these playoffs is, is the development of AD as a shooter because – he starts to do this. I mean, it it just opened things up. I think I don't know if it was you or Sarge that I was talking to. It was a while ago. It was during during prime COVID time, and and we were talking about. Hey, I don't even know if I feel comfortable as AD as like a number one half court option, just because like 
I mean, he had a jumper, has a jumper, but it, you know, like it, it wasn't like boom, I could just go to him every time and and boom. But he, the shot is is opening things up, and it's been so consistent. This is not an end all be all, but I think this is just kind of it's. I'm gonna just give you the stat, and then you can give me the analysis. AD on the bench with Braun in. AD on the bench, Braun minutes on the court. Uh, Lakers are minus 28 in the in the playoffs. Braun on the bench and just AD in. The Lakers are minus four in those minutes during the playoffs. And again, it's just playoffs. But I mean, those are during the regular season. The minutes Braun wasn't on the floor, the Lakers got killed. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that now AD is is becoming this much better shooter, much more consistent. Again, small sample size. And the and the Lakers are are doing miles better than they did during the regular season when when Braun was on the bench and AD was running the show. I don't know if I, I I can't go top five yet, but AD is really starting to make a push and we're seeing him kind of blossom into the star. I mean, he's always been a star, but again, I I where I'm gonna eventually ultimately rank you is is based off the playoffs. And so it's it's been good. Because we haven't we've seen him have success, but like this is different. So yeah, I mean he's clearly different right now. Like he's taking a massive leap and you heard him talk about it last night in the post game interview immediately after the game. He was like he was just talking about I am here for these moments. Like people always talk about that I underperform in the playoffs or I'm not that number one option, I'm not that guy. And he's like, I am like that. Like I'm yeah. that guy which I thought was really cool to see. And I think that LeBron has kind of helped him almost flourish oh, wow. into having that confidence to be that dude, you know? Yeah, and I, you saw him do that with Kyrie too. I think that's an underrated part of, of Braun is, is – and you see it. The best players, they, they make other people around them better. And yep. that's my issue with Harden. And, and Harden's gotten a lot better at that. But we don't need to talk so, about that right now. I think that we had had this conversation – probably three or four months ago when mm-hmm. I told you that the way that I look at, like when you're ranking players, it's so ambiguous. Like there's so many different ways that you can rank players. You can have it focus on the postseason, which is probably the best way of doing it. Like you do. I look at it. I look at it in kind of like three different facets. Yeah. So like you have, I agree. You have your, you have your most dominant player. And I, I would guess that a majority of people would say Giannis. And I would agree with that. Your most dominant player, maybe your most dominant regular season. Right. Player. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, yeah, I would agree. And if, if you look at the best player, I think it's probably between LeBron and Kawhi, like the best overall player. Yeah. And when the chips are down, ago, when it's Kawhi. when it's go time, it's Braun or Kawhi. But I think Kawhi. now you got to go Braun. Right. And but I told you a couple months ago, I think the most talented player in the league is AD because of things that he can. I mean, clearly now he's doing on offense, but just right. his overall effect on the game. He can do so many different things, and he's not bad at one thing. He's above average at everything. And, and he's huge. At a lot of things. And so when I talk about talented, I mean, the fact that he is 6'10", six, six, or however tall he is, he can dribble like a point guard. He's a great passer as well. He's an incredible defender on the outside of the perimeter and in the paint. I just think overall he's the most talented player, and now he's just putting all these pieces together. And he's still relatively young, dude. I just yeah. think that the Lakers are in a really good spot. And and I told I was watching the game with Brian last night, and I'm like, shout out Brian. I, I, I remember, like I, I took the notes of all the tweets when the Lakers made that trade for AD, and they mortgaged they mortgaged you know their future, and people gave him a lot of shit for that. But it's like for those moments, 
You know, to go win a championship, that's why you make that damn trade. He's he's going to be the guy that wins them championships yeah, this season. I, yeah, no, I agree. I, there were not very many Laker fans saying, oh, damn, we gave up too much, right? It was probably outside media, which... Outside media, yeah. for sure. Okay. Sorry, but, but that was a rambling point. No, no, you're, go on a, on a you're good. The point is, AD is blossoming in front of our eyes, and it, it's it's definitely... We got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. But I do think I, I, I want to talk about a couple things. And and I still think this is a series. I think obviously you got to think the Lakers are the odds on favorite. They're a better team and they're up 2 up. So Nuggets got to go win four games in, uh, if my math's correct, five. Wait, is that even right? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Listen to okay. Can I can I give you a crazy stat that that is not even necessarily a, about what we're talking about? But can I give you a crazy stat? Are you ready for this? Yeah, you know I'm the, you know I'm the big stat guy. Jo- and it's a simple one. It's not even like it's it's very simple. Jamal Murray he played 44 minutes in game two, right? Yep. He was plus 16 in 44 minutes. In the four minutes he was off the court, they were minus 18. They are missing Will Barton. And I just think that is the craziest stat I've ever seen. I don't even think it's necessarily in a vacuum that bad that they need, like, oh, shit. Like, it is hard to even score 18 points in four minutes, let alone get outscored by by 18. Are you you at all concerned? Okay, let's – because I went back before this podcast and I rewatched the last quarter. The Lakers entered the quarter up four, and I've got to say, I, I'm, I'm honestly speaking objectively, the Lakers did not they, – they they got very few good looks. And it was weird because almost every possession, they would hold it for a little bit. Braun would bring a bring a big and, and, and try to run the pick and roll. If it didn't work, they'd run again. And, and they were not getting good looks. In the last five minutes, they had zero shots at the rim. One floater, took six threes, made two, both ADs. I don't know if you remember, he had one step back one that was just ridiculous and honestly the same spot. And then obviously the game winner. And three mid-rangers. Are you, are you comfortable with where the offense is at right now? Because it, it still seems like when it when it really slows down, the offense is, is just a little stagnant. And it, it would worry me as a Lakers fan. Again, you're up 2-0. But I think... I mean, if any team can come back, we've seen the Nuggets do it. Where, where, what are your thoughts on all, on the offense, and how do you feel about where you guys are at right now? Because Braun looked weirdly – he obviously got off to a great start shooting, but then in the second half, the Nuggets have done – Really, really, really bad fourth quarter specifically. It was really bad. And, and the, the Rockets le- continue to let him go one-on-one, and just – he to- it's LeBron James. He's going to torch you. He's gonna, once he gets in the rim, but the Nuggets – you saw it yesterday. There was a play where LeBron drove and both P.J. Dozer helped off and Paul Millsap helped off. And there was like three guys in, on him in the paint. And they were like, all right, give it to Caruso. Let Rondo shoot. Let KCP shoot. And in game one, they hit him. But I think that's how the Nuggets are going to go down. And and that just scares me as a Lakers fan. And that has been my issue with the Lakers all, all year long. Again, they're hit up too well in the Western Conference Finals. So who, who knows? But... Let's minimize this. Let's, let's minimize the conversation to 
the, the Lakers offense down the stretch. Yes. If you think about the narrative of the season, when you think about all year people were talking about the Clippers being a better team than the Lakers, yes. picture this alternate universe where on Christmas Day, the Lakers don't blow that 10-point lead that they had in the fourth quarter and the five-point lead that they had with two minutes left in the game. And the reason they did that, obviously the Clippers have an incredible defense, but it was their late-game execution on offense that bit them. You know? Yes. And so if you think about this alternate universe where the Lakers are able to close out that game, what does the media portray about the Lakers-Clippers standings amongst each other the rest of the season? You know, mm-hmm. and so it, it it goes back to the point that you were just talking about with the late game execution and not necessarily having that third trustworthy option on offense when clearly LeBron did not have it going, and then you rely it, on AD who had a godly like eleven straight. Yo, he bailed it. It's weird, bro. It, it seems like every possession in the fourth, and and you're right. Like it, it, this is not the first time we've seen this. But it's like every possession, they're acting like they're up four with like a minute left. Like it's just this weird, not even weird. It's just this passive offense that's like, all right, let's bleed the clock. Let's just get there. Let's just get there. And then they end up taking just like a what? Like even KCP's three in the court. Like that, I couldn't believe he made that. Like, But it's interesting because the Celtics have done the same thing. Like if you've watched the first, and clearly you have, but watching the first three games of that series when the Celtics have had their big leads, and then they get down to the last right. five minutes of the game. When it's it's human nature. Then Tatum goes into like this Kobe Bryant hero ball where they're, wait, they're super passive. It's like they don't know how to close the game. It's like the reason that you got out to that big lead is because you were aggressive. Just hooping, yeah. Teams, teams tend to do this in the postseason where it's almost like they're trying to dribble out the clock instead of trying to be aggressive and score. And that's how you see teams like the Nuggets in the Heat getting back from these 10-plus point deficits, which can happen in a heartbeat in the NBA. So I think the Lakers have had this issue all season. And I I do, like, that's part of what, it's the give and the take of having Rondo on the court late game minutes because the way he operates is, like, he takes, you know, 75% of the shot clock just dribbling and dribbling and dribbling. His usage in general also is crazy. And then he passes it out to a guy like KCP or Kuzma with three seconds on the shot clock, and it's like they have to make a play, and it's usually a rush shot that ends up being missed. So yeah, I, I think that's where you kind of just live and die with guys like LeBron and guys like Rondo who take up a majority of the shot clock with the ball in their hands and then are trusting teammates to make plays. And eventually it will come back to bite the Lakers. I'm not sure if it's going to be against Denver or Miami or Boston, but I do totally agree with your point. I think that's the biggest deficit for Lakers game. Yeah. Dude, I, I and I like Ron, I like playoff Rondo. I think he, he can be very valuable and he suddenly is like a decent spot up shooter, but Out of nowhere. Dude, nine assists and five turnovers in twenty one minutes. Like there you can only have so many possessions in twenty one minutes and he managed to have nine assists and five turnovers. Like I, I don't know. I, I I, I would not be surprised at all if the Lakers win the title, right? Like, I wouldn't. But I just see certain things that concern me, that, that really do concern me. So, well, we'll see. Yes. No, keep okay, going. So, so, I mean, on that, like, I totally agree with you. I, I think that that's a great point, and you're definitely right on that. But Bro, we can you're, disagree. You're you're in the final four of the postseason. Like, the, the teams that you're playing are not jokes. 
they're a great team, and they were stingy in the fourth quarter on defense, you know? But the, I, I just yeah. feel like, you know, we have this image of title teams being like the Warriors who are just super dominant. And I, right. I don't think that every other title team is like that. Like, the Lakers are not – if they win the title, they're not going to be the best title team of all time. I think they're a really good team. But, I mean, they're not – they're clearly not a perfect team. They're not head and shoulders above everybody else. I do think that they're in a class above the Nuggets specifically. But I think a big reason for that is because, like with what you mentioned, they don't have Will Barton. And they're having to give those four they're missing them. to guys like yeah. DJ Dozier or MPJ. That was another thing, just, dude. Why was Gary Harris not out? That was just interesting. That, I, I understand PJ made some plays, right? PJ did. He drew some charges. Dude, I mean, if, if you're talking just bluntly numbers, and I know that we're, both of us are big numbers guys, he missed three out of four free throws in the fourth quarter, and they lost the game by two points. Yeah. So it's like, if you have guys like Will Barton or guys like Gary Harris who have been in the league longer... And they did have Gary Harris. That was just weird to me. Because it's not like PJ's this known... Like, I would get it maybe if PJ was, like, significantly better on offense. But, like, Gary Harris is is clearly a... He's a great two-guard defender. And and you take the good with the bad. He, He gives a little bit back on offense. But that was just weird to me. But it's Mike Malone. Um, real quick, maybe is it possible that Malone maybe sees like, okay, it would be amazing if we beat the Lakers in this series. Like it would be unbelievable if we were able to get to the final. Do you think maybe he's thinking like, all right, clearly this Nuggets team is not the best team in the league right now, but we have this core group of young players that is going to be there the next three, four, five years. I would love to get Dozier some crunch time minutes and see if he can be a player for us in our rotation down the road. I would, I honestly, I doubt that, bro. They're in the Western Conference Finals. Think if you were the coach. Even if you are outmatched, bro, like you're trying everything you can to win that. That like, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to come up with yeah. reasons to, to figure I, out Malone's stock. Right. Because I don't understand it either. Yeah, I, I would guess I, he probably, one, loves P.J. Dozier. They got back into it with him there down the stretch. He made some big plays. Uh, but those free throws, man, those, I, I don't even know what he shoots in the regular season, but he can't be, like, horrible from the line. Like, I don't know. But I, I – mean, go ahead. It, it, yeah, no, it's just – and we talked about it last podcast. I mean, and this was not specific to Denver. We were more talking about the Miami-Milwaukee series coming down to free throws. Free throws, yeah. Again, and Milwaukee lost the game because they couldn't hit their free throws, and Miami did. It was literally the last possession, and Jimmy Butler hit his free throws, and Giannis didn't. Yeah. And, you know, that's obviously a different situation, but, I mean, that's why you have those more veteran players in there in those moments. You know, your Paul Millsaps, yeah. your Gary Harris, your Will Barton, whoever it may be, that can hit those shots and won't be terrified of that moment. Right, right. No, I, I've, I'm fully with you. Let's let's talk a little bit more. I want to – okay, no, I, I want to talk about Yoke, and then we can move forward. Uh, or if honestly, if there's anything else, we can continue to talk about it. But this is why I think, and it's it's honestly not this crazy take, but one, the Nuggets just seem comfortable being in uncomfortable situations. Like first team that's ever come down from three one, and I don't think Yoke Yoke is just one of the. Uh, it's so rare because we see crunch time. The best crunch time players are generally guards, you know, ball oriented players. 
And that is just not the case with Yoke. He's the best crunch time big we've seen since Dirk Nowitzki, dude. Like the last two years, listen, to these, so I, I got these, I will, I will say, I got these directly from Zach Lowe. Nuggets in crunch time the last two years, which is last three minutes of the game, score within three. Uh, the Nuggets were 19 and 10 last the, this year and 27 and 11 the year before. Jokic in these situations this year, 20 for 41, a plus 53 in this crunch time minutes. Third best in the league. The year before, 16 of 31, a plus 74. First in the league. It, it just doesn't seem like pressure gets to this guy. And I think that's a real thing. I think you, I mean, you just talked about it. You see the Celtics, like when you, when it gets down there, a lot of these guys are like, it, it doesn't seem like they can keep the foot on the gas pedal. Yoke doesn't care. Like it doesn't seem like mentally. I mean, I'm at the park hooping like today. We're down three. I'm playing with people that are uh, whatever. This is not the NBA. I'm down three. I'm gonna think about it a little bit more when I'm taking the three. It doesn't seem like Yoke cares, man. If he can hit the big shot, if you you've seen this isn't even necessarily in crunch time, but when you double, he's so big that he can just see over and make the right pass. I I, I just love this guy, and I I think he could be really really special. And I I'll tell you, I was Embiid over Jokic for this year. I think too, I, I, Jokic is better. Jokic is better. And I think Embiid will come strong next year. But I think that's – I think my respect for Jokic and, – and and we can get to Jamal too. But I think my respect for, for Jokic right now and, and just how many times I've seen him show up with his back against the wall, yep. I got I to think I'm on the Nuggets tomorrow. I hope they get the dub tomorrow. I hope they make it a series. And I really think they can. I mean, it, it would – they, I'm not going to say that, okay, it would probably be a stretch to say they should have won yesterday. That's probably not fair. But what I think is fair is to say they very easily could have won that game. Yep. Um, uh, go ahead. Uh, I'm rambling now. Well, so I, I was, I forget who I was making this point. It might have been Bagley when we were watching the, the Heat-Celtics game last weekend. But... Like, when you think about those European guys that are just so money in the clutch, and, and you think about, okay, why would that be? I mean, because obviously you saw this postseason with Luka. First postseason, he drills that huge yeah. shot against the Clippers, and he was daggers all series. He was so... And, and you can just tell with some guys, they want that shot. Luka wanted it. Luka wanted those shots. Dirt. That, that clearly... I mean, I'm thinking about other European guys, like obviously Jokic or Dirk, but guys like Goran Dragic. But the point that I'm making is like these European guys that come to the States usually start playing for their national teams on big stages at a much younger When they're like 14, age. honestly. So when you start thinking about guys like Ricky Rubio, Luka Doncic, Jokic, Dirk, guys that were playing for their national team on the worldwide stage, whether it be the World Cup or the Olympics, when they're 14, 15, 16 years old, they are used to being in that spotlight for five, six, seven years before they get to the NBA playoffs, right? Yeah. And so they've been in those big money situations. 
situations versus guys like P.J. Dozier, who's also 23-24, but this is his first go-around in the, in the spotlight, you know? And so I don't think it's surprising when you see these guys like Jokic, who are 24 years old, which is young for the league, but they've been in the spotlight. He's so our age, bro. Used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Used to it. And so yeah. it, it just doesn't surprise me when these guys are just stone-cold killers in the clutch. Yeah, I was going to say, because I think that's a great point. But I, I was wondering, when did Jokic get going? Like, and I just looked it up. He was uh, he was playing for a club called Ratko Varda in, I believe, in the Adriatic League, I believe, in Serbia. And dominated. <laughs> okay, he dominated. Uh, 2014, so that's, what, six years ago? And he's 24 right now. So, so he was 18, playing in a yeah in a, with grown like men national type week with grown men. Yeah. It's like I, I just feel like people don't really talk about that or think about that, but nerves come into play, you know. And they and have to, yeah. With these guys that are that are that are international that just have those massive nuts that are like, you know what? I'm taking this shot. I don't give a shit. I've been here before. If I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. And more often than not, it seems like they perform at a super high level late games. Yeah. I, I just, I just think it's crazy with yoke too. Is just like, he just shows he's a living, breathing example of basketball is so much more, so much more than athleticism. It's so much more than just, you know, you take someone like AD who has – his body is just so much better in terms of, you know, accomplishing what you want to accomplish on a basketball court. But if you – his mind I, – I, I've watched on loop, especially in those Clippers games. It, it, there's honestly, in a lot of ways, no winning unless AD and Bam are the only two guys I feel like that can get out on the shot but also stay with him. But, like, if you double, he's going to find the open guy. If you lay back, he's going to shoot it. If you're up, he's honestly not going to blow by you. But his shot, his shot has been so much better in the postseason than yeah. it was during the regular season. It's crazy. It's crazy. It, it's it's like you would think it's the other way around. Usually it's the other way around. But He's shooting 43% from deep in the postseason. What do you think his three-point percentage was during the regular season? Uh, Low 30s. Mid 30. 31%. He's yeah. shooting 12% better from deep when it matters most. Yeah. And that's another thing I, I even forgot to mention, dude. His stats, even in the last two playoffs, I think it's around 25, 12, and 8 with 50% yeah. from the field, 40% from three. That is fucking stupid. Okay. That is stupid. Specifically, you, when you talk about your hierarchy of NBA players, I mean, he has to have passed Harden at this point. Yeah. You know, when, when you talk about, okay, sure, Harden and Jokic both had not won a title. Okay, so so neither one of them have that. But if you look at guys that perform consistently when they get the chance to do so, I mean, Jokic is averaging a borderline triple-double in his two-playoff experience. On 15 40%. Like, it's crazy. I, I think right now, gun, gun to my head, I'm going Braun, one, uh, okay, and and I talked about this with Kev the other day. I'm factoring a little bit, uh, not even a little bit, definitely a, a decent amount of KD's injury because we have not seen anyone come back. If KD's fully health, healthy, he's two, maybe even one, honestly, right now. Anyways, Braun one, Kawhi two, 
Steph three, KD four, AD honestly probably five, and then that's where it gets interesting. I don't think it would be crazy to to say Yoke is six right now, and yeah. it would be crazy to have said that a couple months ago. Well, I, I just think it goes back to the conversations that we had throughout the course of the regular season when you know Giannis would be brought up. And obviously the end. No, yeah, talk, I forgot about Giannis. Honestly, but, but it was one of those things where you and I were both in agreement. It's like, yeah, this is great. Like, it, it's awesome when you put up forty, twenty, and nine against <laughs> against the, the Charlotte Hornets. Or yet on, on, on February seventeenth, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter when your team gets fucking rocked by the Heat in five games. You know, like that's honestly just just straight up. It's just not acceptable. Like it, right. like you're the you're the MVP. You're telling me you're going to lose in five games? That's why, and obviously I have a bias because I'm a Laker fan and a LeBron fan, but that's where I somewhat understand what LeBron was talking about with the MVP votes. It's like, okay, sure, he was an incredible regular season player. I get that. My thing is, yeah, it's a regular season award. Yeah. Right, which honestly, I mean, I'm not even, maybe they should do like a playoff MVP then, like a separate type of thing, and I guess that's what the finals MVP Braun, is. Braun will, if the Lakers win, unless AD goes ridiculously ridiculous, Braun will be finals MVP. Yeah. Um, but no, but I, I, I agree. I, I agree with what your top five is. It'll be interesting to see what Durant is. I'm not, e- I'm not even sure if I can put him there right now because, like you were saying, we haven't seen anybody come close to what they were before. Dude, I um, really hope that guy. And I think if anyone could do it, it's him. Like, I mean, he's so talented. He eats, sleeps, and breathes hoop. Like, he's always just trying to get better. And you see that. But that's interesting. That's tough. Because, man. like, I, I mean, everybody said the same thing about Kobe. And they were like, if anybody can do it, it's Kobe. But Kobe was five years deeper into his career than Durant was when it happened. Yeah. So I do have more hope that Durant can do it. But. I mean, dude, it, I mean, did, do you ever, like, have, do you ever have, like, some, I don't know if the word is, like, regret or anger towards anybody in the Warriors organization for pushing him to play? No, because I, I and, and again, I think anyone who tells you they know the exact situation is wrong, unless they, unless they were there. But I, 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 like, I genuinely, like, really like Kevin Durant as a person. Like, I've watched – I don't know if you remember. He had, like, boardroom. He, I watch, like – I try to watch everything that's, like, personal with him. And the vibe I get is, like, he they didn't the, – the Warriors did not force him. It was obviously, hey, if, if you can, let's get it. But, like, KD, he, he said he felt great. He could feel the bay, like, behind him. He felt like, all right, let's go do this. And obviously, had I known, like, I think if the Warriors had known that would happen, obviously they wouldn't have, obviously. you know, or if they, I, I don't even think they felt like there was, a, I don't know, you know, but I, I don't think, ultimately, I don't think if, if KD didn't want to be out there, he wouldn't have been out there. So that's I, kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Okay, real quick, um, we're, we're, we're running out of time. We're anchor only allows for 30 sec, or 30 sec, 30 minutes. So we're going to take a quick break, come back. Um, and then we can either finish up Lakers or or just move on to Celtics. Heat. We'll take a quick break. All right, we are back. Before we move to Miami, Boston, uh, I mean, Tyler, you can get get it all off your chest. If you want to go Caruso, we can do Caruso. 
Because I, that's your guy. That is my guy. I just, and I'm sure anybody that's listening to this podcast now has the same appreciation level for Caruso that I do. But <laughs> I, I don't just, know. You you have a pretty high appreciation level. But I was just telling Caleb during the quick break that I he, he kind of gives me like these Marcus Smart vibes where he's just tenacious on defense. Like you hate going against him. He's not as as proficient as an offensive weapon, and I think hopefully he can grow into that. But I mean, I've been talking this dude up all damn season, and he's averaging 29 minutes a game in the postseason, playing vital minutes for this team, and. You know, when Avery Bradley went down, um, or not, I guess not went down, when he when he chose to opt out, there was a big concern, and it was warranted. You know, who are the Lakers going to put in there to guard the backcourt? You know, whether it be Murray or whoever. And he's just seamlessly filled that void, and I just think it's an awesome story. And he's much more than just a meme. Like, he is a very valuable rotation piece to what could be a title team. 100%. I'm with you, bro, and I, I love him. That's just that's just another guy. That's just uh, you could see it. That's a winner. That's a guy who everything he does is is just to win, and and there's no other bullshit that comes with it. I, I anything you want in your in your court. Yeah. He's almost like kind of like what what Della Vidova was to LeBron in Cleveland, but better, honestly. But better. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, bro, and and you've right. been on him for a while, so this is. This is a good time for people who bought Caruso stock a while ago. You remember that? I first noticed him. You remember that March Madness game a few years back where they were down? Yeah. And was down like 12 points. Him and Daniel House actually were on that team. Yeah, against Northern Iowa. That was a crazy yeah. game. I just, I just saw this dude like, who the hell is this guy? So he did play with Daniel House. He was on that yeah. team. Okay. I was wondering. I was talking the other day. I was like, I think he might have been on the same team as Daniel House. But Dude, I honestly, I he might he might have been there when Middleton was there too. Really, that would be insane. I feel like Middleton dipped before. We we might have to check after. But okay, dude. Well, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I did I did want to hear your thoughts on um on the Clippers because I know that they were your title pick. Yeah. Obviously, I had a, a difference of opinion, and and here you, you say your piece, and then I'll give mine. No, totally. So I, I mean, for me, there's not a ton for for me to say. You know, like I, I really felt like personnel wise, that was the best team. They could play so many different ways. They had crunch time scores. They had perimeter defenders. They had rim protectors. And I think one, they ran into a team that I think has has no fear. And I, I think. Not only, I think the Clippers, I mean, you saw it. The Clippers were up 19 in game five, 18 in the second half of game six. Um, So you knew they had the personnel. Like, I don't think now after this, I'm coming away like, oh, shoot, I was wrong about the personnel. I just, I, I, I thought, and then you've seen it in the past. It's just dangerous if you... If you have the mindset of, oh, we can rely on our talent, ultimately we're going to be all right. Even when the Warriors did that, it was dangerous. This Clippers team was not good enough to do that, and they did do that. And I think I watched back a lot of the games, and and there were, like Doc said, there were guys that were – Montrezl Harrell was god-awful. Like he was god-awful, not just on offense, but on defense. And 
it was like like I watched a lot of plays too where Harrell was just late on the rotation. Like they, they were not locked in, and Jokic was making them look like a a varsity defense. So ultimately, I I'm not I obviously it's weird because like you pick a team to win, and you, I like I put money on them. So like obviously you root for them. But I found myself during this process, especially during the uh, Nugget series, like not liking them, like being confused, trying to understand why they were acting the way they were. And it was just the weirdest team. I I, I think Lou Williams coming in late or, or maybe not late. He was there and then had to leave. And then, and, and hair, I, I don't think that helped. Um, and it, it just never, a lot of the reason I liked them pre COVID is because they seemed like they were really locked in. But it was clear once they got there that they they just weren't able to handle COVID as well as other people were, and it it obviously showed. I think Pete, I do want to talk about PG real quick because I'm not getting like this is another thing where like I understand hating and and talking shit is is a part of what makes this so much fun. But that that guy is like openly admitted he was depressed and had mental health issues. And people are like still going after him. But the, the thing is, too, is so weird. Is like PG was 22 years old going at LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals and almost beat him. And you would think now, like, I, I don't know. It's just weird to me. His player arc is just really weird to have started as well as he did. And he's still a star. I mean, he was third in MVP voting last year. It's just weird that. Like the older he's gotten, it seems like the worst he's been in the playoffs. Anyways, that's I think all I have to say about the Clippers. I think with PG, I mean, I, I the Skip Bayless sports media takes I have ever watched in my life. Oh, that made me really mad. And sorry, hold on, real quick. Your my phone fell right as you were talking, so I, I will just say for those that didn't hear, Tyler was talking about the Skip Bayless take was one of the worst takes he's had in his life. And for those that don't know, Tyler, can you make people aware of what that take was? Yeah, so Skip, and this it, it didn't necessarily have to do directly with PG. George, yeah, it was, it was around. It was Dak. Time. Dak Prescott had quarterback Cowboys had lost his brother to suicide over the last six months or so during COVID and Dak Prescott, like the week before the season had come out and talked about the fact that he went through a pretty deep depression during COVID because he couldn't see any of his teammates. He couldn't see his friends, his family, his brother committed suicide. And he was just openly making people aware like, Hey, this has been a shitty six months for me. Like if I haven't acted like myself, that's why Skip Bayless comes out and talks about how Dak Prescott is not only the quarterback of the Cowboys, he's the quarterback of America's team, of America's team. I mean, he talks about how, you know, if even if he's having those issues, everybody has those issues, and you should keep it to yourself so you don't look weak as a leader of America's team. And sorry that that went off on a completely different note, but it just goes back to what Paul George was talking about with these mental health issues that he was talking about and DeRozan and Kevin Love have talked about it as well. I, I'm, I don't want to undermine that. And, you know, it's clearly been a serious issue for him, but on the, on the flip side, I do think that some of the hate that he gets is partially 
because of his own doing. You know, like like with the with the internet, like the Instagram beef he got into with Dame. Yeah, he um, hasn't helped himself. I he get hasn't that. Helped himself. And then he comes out and says after they lose, this year was not championship or bust. Like we're still getting acclimated with each other. Like bull fucking shit, dude. I, the Lakers are still getting acclimated with each other as well. And <laughs> you cannot. You can't. He said the same thing. After the Thunder lock. No, no, no. It, it, it was championship or bust. I think my guess... It's just frustrating. Like, as, if, if you're trying to have this rivalry between totally. you know, the Lakers and the Clippers, the two best teams in the league, and all season you're talking your guys up. Patrick Beverly's like, it's over. Montrezl Harrell's like, it's over. I'm like, you're going to come out and say this wasn't championship or bust. That's just, it just diminishes the integrity of your season. It diminishes the integrity of the rivalry. It's just like, dude, I agree. Man up, you, you guys lost the game, uh, you shit the bed in the fourth quarter, and that's it. You my, move on, you get better. My guess would be, and, and honestly, I feel, I feel like this is honestly probably right. This, I think the thing that's scary about this is for, for Clippers fans is like, this is not like you guys – like you, they don't have a long timeline, right? Like PG and Kawhi are signed for uh, now one year. They gave up picks for like six years. Like I think the idea was like, okay, don't freak out the rest of the team. Like don't go anywhere. We we got to run this back. Like don't leave this because if you if you concede, okay, it was championship or bust. Then maybe in some people's minds, it's oh, we're not good enough. I think that was his goal, and I think this is not even here nor there, but this is something that's bothered me as a Warriors fan, and so I, it's my podcast, so I'm going to just say it. But, like, th- this is why I get so frustrated when people people's number one argument for why Steph Curry is not that good or, or not as elite as some people think is because he played with KD, Clay, and Dre. And I understand that, but it is so hard to win championships – and, and you saw a team as talented as the Clippers couldn't even get out of the second round. And it, granted, it's a, a weird situation. And, and the Warriors with KD stuff. to win the games, though. And Steph it, did that. Yeah. Like, it, end of the – like, people – there was a time where people thought Russ was better than him. There was a time that people thought James Harden was. James Harden and Russ just got – not swept, but lost in five to Le- just LeBron and AD. I'm not diminishing the rest of the Lakers. I, I would say, though, I feel like with those Kevin Love, Kyrie, Tristan Thompson teams probably were a little bit deeper, just just in terms of, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Love and Tristan. But at the end, end of the day, like, you just have to win. And it just frustrates me, especially when you see a team as talented as the Clippers go down in the second round, like, I can understand why people were frustrated by KD going to Golden State, but like, end of the day, it's like it's basketball. Like, just like in, it, like these are the best hoopers in the world. It is so hard. Like, let them just, let them just go. Like, let them hoop. Let them hoop. Well, uh, the, and I just want to quickly give my last point on, on the Clippers and the reason Bro, that go for it. The reason that I did not have them as my my title team and the reason I did have the Lakers as my title team was because for somebody to, in my eyes, for somebody to be a championship team, they need to have an extended run in the regular season where they look like they are the best team on the planet. Dude, okay, so we got to talk about that. 
Okay. Clippers, they they, they like, had that. They, they were like three or four game stretches, but I'm not talking about one week. I'm talking about. It was like it was like eight games. Run, Is that long enough? One for a stretch. I'm talking like a three week span okay. where you just drop dick on the rest of the week. They dropped dick for eight games. But if you look at every time, and I went back and did the research on this, if you if you look at every title team from like the last seven or eight years, they had like a fourteen and one stretch, a sixteen and two stretch, where they were just utterly dominating the league. Yeah. And you, you can you, you can attribute it to load management, to injuries, but that's part of the thought process when you're picking a title team. And all season long, it was the Clippers' inconsistency. That was the one knock because clearly we had both agreed all season long that the Clippers had the most talented roster. I'm not really sure that's up for debate. But the problem is that they were not able to do it consistently for any extended period of time. I guess eight games is a nice run. But <laughs> I'm talking about extended dominance. The type of yeah. extended dominance that you would want to see in a postseason run. Yeah. And even like the, like the Raptors last year. Like they had stretches and I don't even think the Raptors were like the best championship team in recent memory. They're probably they one of the worst, honestly. They're probably one of the worst, but they started the season twelve and one last year. Like they, they would just go for dominant stretches of time. And I just didn't have that trust that I could see that out of the Clippers, this team that has honestly not really played a lot together with their stars all healthy. For any, I just didn't think they could do it for a month long in the playoffs because they we had not seen them do it. That's fair, bro, and and you were obviously right. You were right. Yeah, but, but I guess the counter argument to that is like the Bucks did it, but I guess the Bucks did it in the East. But like that's why I felt pretty solid about the Lakers, and still yeah. would have felt solid about the Lakers if they were playing the Clippers because they did it all season long. Yeah, they were just and I think that is something like like you said like. Unless you're the Warriors with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Dre, like, like uh, I, I, and now I'm, th- and I will say, I, I think I even made a point one time that I was like, Lakers have played their best basketball, like, but like honestly, that's probably that that helped them having that foundation. And in my mind, when I saw the Clippers right before COVID were playing their best basketball, and it got derailed, like they could have, in my mind, went on one of those runs. Had COVID not happened, they beat Houston in Houston. They beat, yeah, they were just. I think their one loss actually in like ten games was the Lakers um, in that close one. I, I remember, and and every other game they were just rolling through teams. Um, and, and obviously the season might have. I mean, the Clippers totally could have gone on that run and they could have won the finals. Obviously, shit happened and teams had to adjust to that. But I guess just the overall point of what I'm making is if you go back and look at finals teams from the last 10 years they all went on extended runs of dominance that you would need to see in the postseason if you're going to win the whole damn thing yeah no and i'm with you and that that theory held true because again like you said it wasn't like could doc rivers have coached better yes but it wasn't like the nuggets were like exposing the clippers for this fraudulent team it was just lapses of like if you're up 19 and 18 in the second half of back-to-back closeout games and you're quote the more, no, you are the more talented team. You've got to get the job done. And they, I mean, it's just, mentally, it's, that was just weak. And I mean, compare it to the, compare it 
to the Warriors of last season when they were in the conference finals against the Blazers. Complete opposite situation. They were down double digits in every game, and yep. they didn't lose. And they didn't and have they, Kevin Durant. They didn't have Kevin Durant, and, and it's just a mindset thing. Yeah. It's like, okay, sure, we might be the most talented team in the league, but just because you have that most talented team in the league title, air quotes, that doesn't just gift you the championship. You have to win the damn games. Dude, and for some and reason, it just seemed like they got complacent, which they had been doing for a long time. And you and I had talked about that, where they just have this attitude where it's like, our shit doesn't stink. And it's like, you haven't won anything yet. You can't yeah. really be doing that. Yeah. And that, I will, that was another thing, dude. Again, here and there, you nailed everything you just said. Last year, dude, against the Raptors, it was Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and obviously Clay went down. But like Quinn Cook, Jordan Bell, Alfonso McKinney, like Boogie Cousins with a half of a quad, like winners just they, they just go. They they it's about winning, and and it just never seemed like the Clippers were just that focused on winning. They were just focused on so many other. It just was it was weird. And as a Clippers fan, like you, I mean, you kind of already touched on it, but like you need to be nervous right now as a Clipper fan because oh, you look at this two-year stretch this where it's like, okay, hopefully we can win these terribly. two terribly. But you have this guy, Kawhi Leonard, who has left two different organizations after winning a title. Do you think he would leave if, if the Clippers did win one in his two years there? You're being naive. If no. You that. Especially if they have another situation like this year, next year, you know? Okay, um, it is getting a little late, so we're gonna make us we're gonna make the switch over to the Celtics Heat um, game four. I, I like first off, I like how they gave him some rest. Like they've got to be just gas, both mentally and physically. I like the idea of giving them a couple days off, letting the Lakers catch and that Lakers Nuggets catch up. Uh, we're sitting here two one, and I think this is super interesting because um, yes, the Heat are up two one. But the Celtics have won, I believe, eight of the 12 quarters. Uh, Gordon Hayward is back. Did I just call him Gordon Hayward? Gordon Hayward is back. Um, and I, I think the the exciting thing for the, for the Celtics is now they have that lineup, right? And and that lineup of, of their five best players, Kemba, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward played seven minutes together uh, last night or in game three. They were a plus 13 and they won by 11 points. So that lineup, I think, is is something that's very interesting to monitor. And Gordon Hayward looked like he was he was ready. Like there's obviously sometimes there could be rust involved, and I'm sure there was, but Gordon Hayward looked like he could play aggressively. And I I don't think this is series this series is over by any means. I picked Heat in seven before. I would probably st- Still feel like that's the most likely outcome, but I would not be shocked at all if the Celtics win this. Um, where, how are you feeling about this series? And, and what was even your pick before? Heat and six. Um, the it, it's just really, really interesting seeing the difference between because, like with what you were saying, the Celtics have won, you know, two thirds of the quarters. Or I guess sixty-six percent of the right. quarters. Right, but they've been so far. unraveled in the quarters they didn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's happened in the third to start the second half. Yeah. But then they, they get down to the fourth quarter where they still do have a lead. 
and then even in game like three, it's like they're only <laughs> trying to run out the clock. They won, and in game three, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, <laughs> Dude, and against a team like Miami, who shoots the lights out, you can't do that passive thing because if, yeah. if the Heat have an eight zero run in a two minute stretch, the game is tight again. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I just the Heat present so many problems with the quality depth that they have. And we toss around, oh, this team has good depth a lot, you know, because a lot of teams do have pretty solid depth. But the Heat can legit run out eight or nine guys that are, like, really, really solid good. NBA players. And you know, like, there, there, there's no let-up. There's no Brad Wanamakers on the Heat that they're going to throw yeah. out there. And Wanamakers played well. But but I agree. Yeah, Grant, Grant Williams, I would even – Grant Williams – Cantor, all those guys have have struggled. Where Wanamaker, even Wanamaker, has struggled a little bit, but he's had some good moments. The Heat don't have the guys like that, you know. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting. I, I mean, I could definitely see the Celtics fighting back and making this a series that goes seven, and potentially even winning the series. I agree with that too. But um, I think the Celtics might just be one year away. And they're just catching the heat at the wrong time. You know, they the heat are just on this incredible run, like with what Dude. we were talking about in our previous segment, where you talked about they beat COVID. Going to win teams that are going to win the title yeah. have to have these extended runs of dominance, and we're just seeing it now. This is theirs. The, I mean, they're peaking at the it, perfect time. I and mean, we saw it in the bubble, where like at the start of the bubble when they were still doing the play-in games, and the Heat were dominant. And it's carried into the postseason, and now it's this three or four weeks consistently, or consecutively, I should say, where they've been dominant. They've lost uh, two games in the playoffs, and I think the thing that stands out to me the most, bro, is uh, Tyler Hero essentially had an off season, and Tyler Hero is four times better. He was very good as a rookie, second team all rookie. He's legitimately five times better than he was in the regular season. Like these guys, all can- Goran Dragic is like. Like Luca, he's playing like he's Luca Doncic's like cousin. Like it's so, it's so weird. Like these guys legitimately just all got much much better during this time, and they're like last year's Super Raptors. Just in like instead of Kawhi Jimmy, where it's like every single guy is just so good at their role, and it's just it's beautiful. Like they're such a locked in group. Everyone understands their role. Everyone puts winning. Ahead of everything, um, and and you just see you who fuck a superstar if you if you're all locked in like that. And Spo, I mean, you got to give Spo uh, amazing. He's done such an amazing job with them. I think the the big thing for me right now is this. It seems like the Celtics have started to figure out somewhat the half court offense of the Heat. The half court offense of the Heat in Game One had a 104.4 offensive rating. Again, that means they scored 104 points per 100 possessions, which is good just for the half court. In the second game, 98.8. That's still good. Game three, they had a 78.4 rating. So, I, I'm I, I like the Heat, and I honestly I, I probably I want the Heat to win. I want to see this Heat team in the finals. I think they probably give no yeah I, I don't want to see ad munch on that celtics back or front court i want to see bam there so i want the heat there but the the heat are going to have i guess the heat are going to have to make adjustments moving forward if they want to win this series and they will um but uh, who's the best player on the heat huh who's the best player on the heat 
Jimmy Butler. I think Bam's better than Jimmy Butler is. I love Bam. I know you love Bam. I, I, oh, trust me. I love Bam. I love Bam. But, dude, did you, do you, I mean, do you, are we, do I need to remind you of those three steals in crunch time in, in the last game? Like, I, I mean, but, and when they've needed buckets, it's Jimmy. Totally, bro. But three steals versus one block, and when they've needed buckets, I, I, for me, it's it's just the offense fair, makes fair. makes up the difference for me. But I, I was just curious. Okay. yeah, no, and, and I don't think it's like, oh, if you think Bam is the best player, you're an idiot. Like that's not. I would just, I feel like if you take Jimmy off and still have Bam, I would actually be curious in the playoffs what the minutes are. But that it doesn't matter right now. That he, that Heat team is just so locked in, and I love them. And Jay Crowder has been massive because Bam played four. Bam played four with Myers at the five, and that's another underrated. They completely changed their system. Jay now moves to the four. Bam can play the five, and it's unlocked this Heat team. And Duncan is – where? where's Duncan? Is Duncan the third best shooter in the league, or is he fourth? Yeah, I, he's definitely top five. I, the – it's interesting that you brought up that Bam at the four, Myers Leonard at the five, because that would have to be what they would need to do if they faced the Lakers. And then you have you end up you end up with Myers Leonard having considerable minutes in the finals. Yeah, there's no way that that they're sticking with Bam at the five now. You saw how that went in the Western Conference Finals last year, but I mean the, the thing is. <laughs> Who I mean, do you do you just have Jay Crowder play the four? I mean, yeah. I just don't know how. Like, how would this Heat team, like, if the Lakers went with their big lineup, I don't know how the Heat would, or the Celtics, honestly. I mean, because they Dude, would they, guard AD. They, what happens yeah. when Howard comes in? Yeah, bro, that's the thing with these bigs. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you can put, I, I really think, one, I listen, so, okay, I'm all over the place, but I'm going to. I'm going to focus up right here. I listened to Duncan Robinson come on a podcast a couple days ago, and he said, one, that they, as a group, as a, like, Spo lets them decide who they want. So that's why Jay Crowder was able to guard Giannis a lot of the time, even though you would think Bam would be there every time. But back to my point, I think Bam guards AD, you're right. But that's the thing, like, this is not the Dwight of six, seven, eight years ago. Like, it's not like... Bam on Jay Crowder. The, what are you? What are they going to do? Just ISO post up? I think that he would be fine. Like the, you can bring, uh, you can have complex enough coverages that Dwight is not just getting free wide open post ups. Like the, he'd see guys stunt at him, make him think about giving it up, and then he picks it up. Then you got to repost it. It's like, isn't it? Isn't it basically the same thing? Say, say Bam is able to take AD out of it, which which I don't think he will. I don't think but, it would. Say, say for argument's sake, he is. Okay. So say Bam and AD cancel each other out. Wouldn't it hypothetically be the same exact situation as what the Rockets had to go up against? Be, no, because I think I I think this Heat team is just a lot better defending, and I've seen Spo like the game plan he had against the Bucks was just phenomenal. Like they were able to somehow build a wall against Giannis, but also like steal the passes when he when he passed out and like i i just feel like this lakers and i'm not even we don't even have to get it i'm not necessarily even picking the heat in that i just don't i'm not scared now by by dwight now because i think just i i think it's even more likely that the lakers adjust and say shit 
Jay Crowder at the four, Bam at the five. Like, I can't have Dwight guarding Jay Crowder, like, on, on defense. Like, Jay is – I don't know where he's – I don't know if he went to, like, what he did in, during COVID, but I have never seen him shoot this this well for this consistent amount of time. So, uh, I, I long story short, I can't see the Heat switching to Myers Leonard. Um, and I, I I'm not – like, I do think that the Heat would be a – much, much oh, yeah. more difficult challenge. Just Bam alone. Just Bam alone. Yeah. The Celtics have, I mean, they would try. The, uh, Stevens is a good enough coach. Daniel Tice to the damn gods to have, to have, to have him bring those three bigs. And then you, that, that means that once Tice goes out with foul trouble five then, minutes into the game. Then it's Cantor and Rob Peter Williams. And, and the Time Lord. The Time Lord out yeah. there. Yeah, that, that would be a tough finals to watch, but yeah. the heat would be really fun. Can you hear the dogs right now? Absolutely. Damn. Yeah, dude. I I really don't know what their issue is. I really don't know. But um, <laughs> we made it. We made it. I, I, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? We're at 29 minutes. Um, I think I think I've, I I got heat in seven. I think. I wouldn't be surprised if Celtics get the get it game four, but I still got heat ultimately winning. I mean, I mean, ultimately, I think it comes down to whether we see an aggressive Gordon Hayward or not, and he's had this tendency coming back from injuries where it's taken him some time to get close to where he was before, and they can't have that if they want a shot. Dude, I think one of the biggest things was that the Celtics went to Marcus Smart on him. Instead of having him on Duncan and just chasing him, he actually was very good at, at slowing Goran down. Okay, re- real quick. We got to take a quick break. We didn't make it in time. So. Damn. I shouldn't have brought up. All right, we're back. We're here to wrap this up. Tyler, any closing thoughts? First off, okay. Um, official prediction for Heat Celtics. You have – okay, I know you had Heat and Six. Right now, what do you have? Yeah, I still feel Heat and Six. Okay, official prediction for Lakers uh, Heat er, – fuck, we'll get there. Lakers Nuggets. Okay, then assuming your predictions are correct, what is your early on prediction look ahead for Lakers Heat? Lakers in seven. Dude, I think that's probably what I'd have it too. Not, the, the, yeah. The Heat do present. I mean, the, the problem is that I just don't know if the Lakers score enough to keep up with what the Heat can do. And that's right. why it's kind of different with, with like what the Rockets could do because the Heat shoot a similar percent from deep, but. I do think that the Heat play like this legit team defense that I don't think the Rockets do. And most importantly, the Heat don't have a player like Westbrook who goes in and turns the ball. And the Lakers just and, and the Lakers just let him shoot. And I also think the Heat are just a little bit more creative on offense too and, and have m- way more guys that you have to worry about where the Lakers are like, all right, get it out of James' hands. We're okay. And and I also think the Rockets defensively just played that terribly. They they just let LeBron go one on one, and it ended as you would expect it, just dunk after dunk in the lane. Whereas I don't think the Heat will let that happen. The Rockets, like if you look at the Heat, it seems like every one of their players is just built like a just like a brick shit house. Like they're they're all just huge, bulky, muscular dudes. I mean, obviously outside of Robinson and and. Um, Hero. And hero. But, dude, even Drogic is, like, a killer. Like, he, yeah. he's just a killer dunk. Like, you're not going to push those guys around like the Lakers were able you to. You hear about them. their body fat. 
thing, right? Like, no, exactly. But and, and the Lakers are not going to be able to push around those guys like they were able to push around Austin Rivers and Ben McLemore and Daniel House and those guys. Yeah. No, I, I can't. I think there's just so many narratives. Like, obviously, you have Braun back against Miami. You have Spolstra trying to get a title without him. You have Jimmy in his first finals. Dude, who would have thought four months ago that it would be the Heat as, like, this beast in the East? Alex Hearn. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know if he even saw this coming. The vibe I get is that him and Josh pick a squad each to just like in everything in college football, like a, a fun squad to just like jump on, and and he jumped on to the the right squad. Or maybe he saw all this all this coming, and and he should have put a ticket in on him if he was that. Oh yeah, dude, that. Especially even just because Eastern Conference should be – I'm not going to call it a lock, but you could have grabbed him to win the Eastern Conference at the start. Yeah. Uh, really nice price. Um, okay. Well, we will see. As this, as you guys are listening to this, we probably have Lakers Nuggets tonight. I'm very excited. I think, I think the Nuggets get it done tomorrow. And uh, we'll see. We'll talk soon. But I appreciate you coming on, bro. As always, thank you for being here. And uh, I know you'll be back soon, bro. Enjoy San Diego. Thanks for having me, bro. Of course, of course. Appreciate everyone for tuning in again. We'll be back in a week. Hope you're enjoying the basketball, the football. Hope you're staying safe. Um, And I love you all. Have a great night. Peace.